every single person is going to be affected at some point. So it's why I hate it being so like taboo a lot of the times when you bring it up. Like people do feel like it's like yeah. you've got to, you know, tiptoe around it and you can't say this and you can't joke about it. And I just think, why not? We're all affected by it. So many of us use humour to cope. It gets people talking more and it feels like they can be involved in the conversation. This is The Summit by Fearless Adventures. I'm Dominic McGregor, and every week my co-founder David Nunes and I will be talking to inspirational leaders about their experiences as they strive towards their summit. Today I'm joined by Shell Rowe, who has been creating content about her cancer journey. Uh, she's reached millions of people across social media and has helped people in very difficult times. I've just found out that both you and I are actually sharing something in common. You know, we're both actually in Hollyoaks in real life series. So mm. your episode is after mine. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. But I'm very excited to hear the story from you first. Yeah, first of all, it was fantastic. I watched your episode the other day. And I literally didn't even clock walks in and saw you. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> it was a yeah. great episode. Yeah. How did that even come about? You know, you know you've grown through socials. You've talked about your story. Um, why did you kind of see this moment in your life where... You know, people would probably look at it as like, you know, horrible time diagnosis at a time to like, no, I'm actually going to go out there and tell the story. I think when I first started to properly like make content, I initially did like a YouTube series and I called it the Chemo Chronicles. I'd had my first diagnosis. I went into remission. I relapsed about a month later. When was your first diagnosis? That was in 2020. 2020. And I, no, 2019, I think. And I was 20 years old. And I did pretty routine treatment. And then when I relapsed so soon after, they told me that I had to do this thing called CAR T-cell therapy, which was very new at the time. Like, I think only 170 people had had it on the NHS. So this was very much, like, still a very scary thing. There wasn't a lot of information out there. And when I was looking into it and speaking to my doctors, I was like, my God, this is terrifying. And when I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go through with this, I thought, as a film and TV student, what what a better thing to document than me going through something firsthand where there's not a lot of information for people to like, if they're about to undertake CAR-T therapy, they have no idea what it's going to be like. And I thought, I'm just going to do as much as I can and show people the realities of it. How did you find the confidence to do that? You know, when you're going through something which is, you know, I, I was at a charity ball um, for a breast cancer charity and they talk about the process of how chemo is so degrading, you know, you lose your sense of identity. How do you find in those moments the confidence to be like, no, actually, I'm at my worst. You know, you said it mm. so blase there. I was a film student, so I thought, what a great to document it. But how do you actually find the confidence to be like, no, this is what mm. I'm going to do. And I'm going to wake up every single day after going through a horrible treatment that I'm going to share. Do you know what? I think I always say it's really weird. I feel like in a way cancer is a superpower in that sense. People might think that you like crumble and you break down. But for me... It changed everything in my life. It changed my perspective. And all of a sudden, all these things that I'd wanted to do my entire life, I've always been very much into film and TV and acting and all of it, but in front of the camera, behind the camera. And I would always make videos and I would just keep them to myself because I was worried that people were going to be like, oh, what a weirdo. Like, you know, because when you first create content, you're not going viral. It's people at your school seeing it and probably thinking, what a freak. So you don't want to put it out there, do you? Because it's only when you're actually doing well that people go, ah, oh, I love your stuff and that's great. But no one wants to take that initial step of doing it and having to go through the crap where people are going to talk about you and send you into their group chats. And anyway, when I, when I got diagnosed, I was like, 
hmm, no one can really say anything about me right now because it's like you're going to look like a bit of an arsehole if you're you're making fun of the girl who's trying to, you know, just do something positive. So it honestly felt like this superpower and everything in my life changed. I feel like I became a totally different person overnight, the person that I was supposed to be because I was like, no one can say anything. And if they do, that's on them. And they just literally are making themselves look terrible. And then I don't, it just kept on rolling from there. So that perspective there, you know, of what you just spoke about, that kind of resilience, you know, I don't care what people think. You found it at a dark time. How do you think other people can find that? Because it's, it's the best way to live life. You mm. just said it. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. I feel like before you do the things that you want to do but you're scared of how you're going to be perceived it feels like you're standing at the edge of a cliff and you're like you just can't make the first step can you and I always say to people like it's never going to get easier you're never going to wake up one day and go like oh I I don't fear this anymore I feel great about this let's just go for it sometimes you just have to go and I promise that once you take that first step everything else becomes so much easier like I find it crazy to think now that I'm posting videos every single day where I look rough, you know, I'm, I'm hungover and I'm doing this or I'm, whatever. I'm posting very, like, vulnerable content that most people would just keep really private. And I find it crazy that I'm at a point where I'm not even phased by that anymore. I would just put something up and not think twice about it. And there was a period in my life where I would sit there hovering over Instagram, and, you know, oh, how many likes has this got? Do I need to take it down? Have, have enough people interacted with it? And it's just, it's miserable to live that way, constantly waiting on other people's permission to be you, basically. You, such a young age, got a you know, diagnosis and, you know, you're, how, you know, what were the plans beforehand? You know, did you have a roadmap for where you wanted to head on? Mm. You know, did, you know, did you have a mind of, you know, I want to be this person? So I was meant to be going to California a week before I got my diagnosis. I got accepted to California State University, which I was like, absolutely over over the moon about it. Like they had said at my uni, like, there's no point even applying. Like people don't get accepted in here. And I got accepted and it all felt very surreal at the time. And, you know, I just had something in the back of my head being like, this is too good to be true. Because I remember I hadn't even packed my suitcase. Could you you visualise yourself there? No, was just like this I couldn't. I couldn't visualize it, and I don't know if that's like a sixth sense or what, or because it was just a big change. But I could never see it actually happening. I just thought this is way too good to be true. And then you know, I didn't pack my bags because I just something was holding me holding me back. And then I um, obviously got that diagnosis, and so I was like, okay. When you got that, were you ill? Were you feeling how? how um, what, what kind of led you to go through the kind of first initial I, steps? Of like... I didn't really feel ill. So the only symptoms I had, which were very small, so I had night sweats twice in about a six-month period, but, like, drenching. So, like, you wake up, the sheets will be soaking wet. Yeah. And um, fatigue. I had really bad fatigue all the time, but as a uni student, you're just kind of like, yeah, we sleep all day and then we'll go out at night. And it's very normalised in uni culture to be like that. And it was actually not until I had swollen lymph nodes. Uh, it was like a tennis ball in my neck. I think I had about 20, 30 tumours by that point in my neck and uh, chest. And it's incredible that I didn't, Notice, but I suppose a lot of them were under the surface and it grew very quickly because I had high grade lymphoma. Mm. So, literally, in the space of like two to three weeks, they were just growing at an insane rate. So, literally, you know, a bit tired and a couple of sweaty nights. Yeah, exactly. Like, you wouldn't think well, why anything did you go, of it. Why did you go and get checked out then? 
my girlfriend told me that I looked like a man. <laughs> she, she came in the house. And the first thing she said to me, she was like, you look like a man. And I was like, what do you mean? But you've got an Adam's apple. Oh, Adam's apple. And I had literally by my front door, there's a mirror. And I turned and it was the first time I looked at it. And I was like, oh, my God. And, and I then, did you, f- then yeah. did you feel it? Yeah. And, and I it touched felt. it. And it was, oh, I was horrible. I, really? I hate, I hate that feeling. I still get funny touching my neck and my chest yeah. now because, yeah. And you go, this is, and you just felt this isn't right. Yeah, so you had the we, offer. You had the offer. Yeah. So we basically um, went and got that checked out a couple of days later and I was quite lucky that it they sped through because I think they knew it was obviously something was really messed up yeah um and then I got my diagnosis fairly quickly what was that, what was that period of time between first going I think in? probably uh, two weeks maybe two weeks so to go from literally thinking that I'm gonna be living wow. in California Cali girl like whatever and then <laughs> no you're a chemo girl like <laughs> Cali, Cali's chemo <laughs> yeah Cali's a chemo god so <laughs> life's torn up completely yeah, I even tried to, um, when I first got into remission, I reapplied to go to California again. I was like, it's fine, like, we'll, we'll go now. And then I relapsed again and I thought, do you know what, this is a sign from the universe that I'm not meant to be doing that. Um, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen for me. How do you tell people? How do you tell your, your, your friends, you know, how, how do you walk back to your girlfriend and say, mm. thank you, you know, my life, you just, this has just happened. Like, how... Like, you know, I, I, you know, my own experience of this is that my cousin had leukemia when he was four or five years old. So he was so young mm. that he couldn't express his emotions and he didn't know what was going on. But, you know, go from, 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 from your perspective, you, you kind of got relationships, you've got everyone expecting you to go and be a Cali girl. You know, what, what do you do? Is it LinkedIn, is it a fake Instagram post, you know, call people? How do you handle that? Oh, my God. Right. So I'm, I'm basically the opposite of a hypochondriac and I ignore everything. So people would kind of it got the gist that something could be wrong because I was actually joking on it on my private account. Yeah. I probably brought this upon myself. I changed it. It was called Shelly Poo and I changed it to Necky Poo and I was putting up <laughs> memes of my neck saying how fat it was and all this. And, like, after you got diagnosed? No, before. before. So this was okay. before. And so we were all joking. Like, all, me and all my friends like, were joking about my fat neck and all this stuff. And then it was like really awkward to be like, oh, guys it's actually cancer and I think I just like I text it to most people um I obviously tell my girlfriend in person but I can't I can't even remember telling her because the problem is I've relapsed so many times so I've had four diagnoses now that I act it's hard to keep track and it got to put it's like a running joke in the end yeah because it would be one month I'm texting oh I'm cancer free and everyone goes woo and I'd just send you know if I relapsed I'd send guys dot 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 and everyone knew it was coming. And now I forget that I did that. Yeah. So anytime I send a message in my group channel, I go, guys, and I might just be saying, do you want to book this for the weekend? Everyone panics because the light is coming again. <laughs> but um, we, we just found it funny in the end. It, yeah. it was getting so ridiculous to be so on and off. What was driving the, the relapses? It was just, you know. No idea. Honestly, like they said that... <sighs> I just had an extremely aggressive lymphoma. They don't really know why mm. it caused it. It just was a bit brutal. I mean, I did seven different types of treatments and every one of them, like, so I'm, I'm nearly at my record now. Uh, I've just had a stem cell transplant, well, actually a year ago, but I'll be a year cancer-free next week. Before that, my record was eight months cancer-free with CAR T therapy. The other ones I only managed a month between treatments, so very like up and down you, and how anxious are you about it coming back 
Um, it's gotten easier, to be honest. I feel like I can't. It. Yeah, I just I'm accepting the fact I can't change it. I've just got to get on with things and live life to the fullest while I can. And whatever happens, it's going to happen. And me sat here worrying about it all the time isn't going to change that. God, it's so, I mean, it's, it's so like your outlook on life is like what everyone is searching for. And, you, you know, you, <laughs> you found, you. unfortunately, you found it through horrible circumstances. But it's so like powerful listening to you speak because it's what everyone says they should be looking for. And you've Thank got you. it. You, you've, you've managed to to think about it in such the most horrible moments. I think it's weird because I never expected so many good things to come from... Obviously, it's a terrible situation. There's a lot of downsides, but I would never change it. If I could go back and they would say, oh, you, you would never have it, I would be such a totally different person. I don't even recognise myself from three, four years ago. Like, just so every just single you, aspect. You, you, this is going to sound crazy, but you just wish cancer upon yourself. But, no, 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 I know, no, I'm, I, laughing, I'm I, laughing about it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, obviously when I first got diagnosed, all I was I was so bitter, I was like, this has just stolen my life from me, like, I can't believe I'm going through this, like, why me? And now I, I feel like, so. I, people say everything happens for a reason, and it sounds really cringe, but until you've gone through something like that, and you may not see it at the time, and I certainly, there have been times where I think, you know, when you get to your third, fourth relapse, you go, all right, I'm not seeing the reason anymore, I'm yeah. not seeing it. But still, every time I'm like, okay, give it, give it a few months, give it six months, see if you still feel that way. And every single time I go, okay, it was actually because I hadn't learned this yet. It was mm. actually because I hadn't had the confidence to go and do this yet and do, take these opportunities that are still coming to me off the back of what happened with that because I decided to like turn it into a way to like make opportunities for myself. Mm. That's the, I said the same thing about drinking. It's like, no, I did some de- destructive things when I was drinking. But the day I got the most drunk and said I'm never drinking again was the best day of my life because my day of my life started. Mm. So I got over that demon. I got over that problem. I love that. And I could like, hey, I can face it. And, you know, I talk about it. It's like, someone asked me, what, you know, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? It's like, well, I always knew at some point I was going to be an addict. You know, that's in my personality traits. I'm all or nothing. So mm. I just, I always said, get through it quicker. <laughs> you know, do it quicker. Drink mm. more. Figure out your, hit your rock bottom quicker. And then you can start your life because... Mm. It was going to happen. I always was going to happen at some point. Mm. So I'd rather get out of the way at 23 than when I'm 53 and yeah. haven't got the energy to battle alcoholism or I'm so far down the line that I've got liver sclerosis and I'm mm. that. So, And I think you learn a lot of valuable lessons in that time. Like go, going through those difficult things. I don't know. It just, it just shapes you as a person. You see things so differently that that's why... I just can't imagine the person that I probably was three, four years ago, probably a lot more selfish, mm. maybe less empathetic, like just a whole bunch of things that I would like to think I am now and I'm more thoughtful um, and all those kind of things that I just don't think I would have been because I, I suppose I'd never really had to deal with much um, adversity before then. I'd had quite a privileged childhood. I was very lucky and like as a white woman, like I'm not, I didn't really have to go through anything. So when you're actually put in a position where you're in a more vulnerable group in society, like your perspective to everything, like you're, you're seeing things that you didn't see before and it just changes you for the better. Mm. And, you know, you talk about kind of what's come off the back of it. You know, you've, you've created that, haven't you? You know, you don't give yourself any, any kind of injustice, but you've created everything that from that day that you've, that you've seen. 
what have been the kind of, you know, peaks in what you've done? Um, what kind of moments stuck out to you and think, oh God, I'm so, that was a special moment. I think, oh God, do you know what? There's, there's been so many recently that this is why I'm, I just feel like I've had a lot of blessings yeah. that it's actually hard to pick. Um, definitely filming the Hollyoaks in real life. That, yeah. was, that was really surreal for people to be interested in my story and feel like, you know, they want to share it and hopefully it can help other people. And being in the Lewis Capaldi video for Forget Me, that was crazy. The fact that I'm coming up to my one year cancer free is another like huge, huge moment for me. And it, like even down to the little things, right? When I get messages from people and they'll just say, you helped me through this time. Or like, I lost my brother, my sister, my parents. And like, we used to watch your videos and we laughed at them. And like, it really brought us some joy. Like that means just as much as, the, the doing the big videos and stuff like that with Lewis it's like to know that you've actually had an impact on people I don't know I, I still find that so crazy because you put stuff out and you just think I'm doing this for me and then when someone tells you how it's impacted their life you just think yeah I've got to keep going with this even if it's a few people it means the world yeah the god it's it is that isn't it? it's just the little messages of people saying thank you and You've helped me. Do you remember your first message you got from someone? Oh, well, that, God, really, that's, that really sticks into you. Like, that's that, a while back. I, is... I always remember one message. I think this girl had said, so her dad had been really sick and um, she just said she hadn't heard him laugh or smile in months and months. And she came up the stairs one day and she like was listening to her mum and dad just really giggling in their room. And um, she went in and they were watching my videos and she just messaged me and said, thank you, I've, I've missed his laugh. And that one really, really, really got me because I was just like, I don't know, that, that means a lot to know that people can enjoy your videos in that way. Well, it's like the thing about what you've gone through is it's the, it's the ripples of how it impacts people. It's friends, it's family, it's mm. associates, it's life. And that's what you're, you know, that news that, you, that went through your life as like a, sound wave mm. knocking things over is the same thing what your content is doing people the other way you know it's not the necessarily the people suffering like you that um that, that need it it's the ones around them and that that is so mm. meaningful to see that you know just a laughter the power of laughter the power of what mm. you've done helping someone who's deeply struggling with a situation quite cool to think about because people often say like social media is like this you know, it's so like surface level and it's toxic and all these things. And I think maybe you're not using it right then. It doesn't always have to be like, I know it can be, but you know, I'd like to, I don't think my profile and the content that I put out is doing those kind of things. And when people say, oh, you know, social media and they turn their nose up, I'm like, but when I read those messages, I think it's very naive for people to say like, social media is no good. Cause I think that would have never come out if I didn't have TikTok and have the platform that I have on there. And yeah. Like I said, it's so what you went through, 170 people or something so rare that that information doesn't exist. And that's the one thing that social media has done so well is it's given everyone access <coughs> to content, <coughs> to information uh, instantaneously. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what the one thing I love about TikTok is that, you know, maybe Instagram and other things around, that are centered around aesthetically pleasing things. And not the same as TikTok. TikTok was built with this kind of mm. fun intention of like, let's just have a laugh, you know, yeah. don't take ourselves too seriously. And I think that's what um, people like yourself have, have really brought to social and TikTok has brought to social is that genuine fun. 
and that genuine like let's not take ourselves too seriously and let's let go back to what you know back in our day we'd call it vine Do you remember the vine <laughs> oh my goodness what vine? vine was such a great period of time but that's what it was about. It was just I totally about. agree. That's the thing. I feel like TikTok just gave everyone an equal opportunity to like post their stuff. And it's not, it is, it's just more authentic. That's how I feel anyway. And you don't have to be like glammed up to the nines. Like you see in Instagram models, it's, it's really hard to grow on Instagram. So like, mm. it'd be way more difficult to try and spread that message on that platform. But also a glammed up picture at a restaurant doesn't get likes now versus a video asset. Mm. And I think this, this shift has come from influencers who might have been got where they've got to for aesthetics versus creators who are getting where they get to based on their actual content output Mm. and like video video longer form intelligent content versus Mm. this look at me eating a coconut on a beach (laughs) if i get to go on holiday i'll be that girl yeah yeah, yeah, i'll be that girl yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) because we were talking before to some of the people here we're saying that um the evolution of social media has been so crazy over the last 10 years you know when i first joined it it was you know i was on instagram to find out pictures of thailand mm. i was like oh my god that's what thailand looks like i've never seen this before but now like everyone's seen a picture of thailand mm. so it's like now we need to now content is allowed to evolve because we want to see different stuff we don't want to see that girl with coconuts we want to see <laughs> something new something original yeah. and that's what you are bringing into it is you're bringing this completely new new style of content uh, in an area which people might have been too scared to talk about However, you guarantee, you know, you ask anyone about the C word, it's impacted me, probably mm, everyone in this yeah. room, at some point in their lives, and it will. Because yeah. I think one in, one in three people. It's one in two now. One in two now, is it? Yeah. With That's the thing. Every single person is going to be affected at some point. So this is why I hate it being so, like, taboo a lot of the times when you bring it up. Like, you know, it's been such a huge part of my life. Is that bad me saying the big C word? Huh? Is it bad me saying the C word? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's fine. But this, but this is the thing. This yeah. is why I do what I do because people do feel like it's like yeah. you've got to, you know, tiptoe around it, and you can't say this and you can't joke about. It. And I just think, why not? We're all affected by it. So many of us use humour to cope, and um, I don't know. It just it gets people talking more, and it feels like they can be involved in the conversation. Like when you're actually like joking and being open and honest and things. Like people will just ask questions. Like, oh, this might be a silly question, but I'm asking. And it's like. There are no silly questions. I, is I there a silly you... question? What's the silliest thing you've been asked? <laughs> Go on. I don't think... Don't. No, actually, okay, There is a silly okay. question. The silly question I get, people always used to think they're trying to catch me out for faking cancer. They go, well, why have you still got eyebrows then? <laughs> that to no me is way. my silly question. Because <laughs> people don't understand, like, all different kinds of chemo affects, like, so some people you could have chemo, you wouldn't lose any hair. Some chemo you would have, you'll be guaranteed to lose all your hair. Yeah. Some it's mixed in, in between, right? But it's always kids and they'll be like, but she's got eyebrows. I don't think she's, I don't think she's got cancer. And I'm like, guys, please, I promise you, I'm not faking it. I've literally got pictures of my tumours on my Instagram. Go check it out. What, because of the eyebrows? Yeah, because they're like, she's got hair. Because obviously people think like, if you have cancer. You lose eyelashes as well, don't they? Lose their eyelashes as well. Yeah, you can you. lose it. But I never, yeah. I never totally lost my eyebrows and my eyelashes. They thinned, but like. Yeah. But that's the thing. People always think that I'm faking it because I won't have had, like, total hair loss. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know what more you want me to post. There's, like, <laughs> so much evidence out there. God, and you get that a lot. You just get that kind of, like, denial, <laughs> faking it piece. There's a period I kept on getting the comments. So I put a video out. I was like, guys, by the way, um, you can still have eyebrows. Um, but it does make me, I, they make me laugh more than anything. It's just trolls. 
Yeah, it's either trolls or it's kids that genuinely don't Understand. know any better. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, I don't even major trolling incidents. Oh, definitely had major yeah. trolling incidents, but it's got it's got lesser. People were mean in the start. God, I think people can be quite intimidated by like women with short hair sometimes, and it's. I had a lot of like kind of homophobic comments, and then like people would just tell me to die basically because they didn't like the way I looked and like they were like your cancer should kill you and all. it was like crazy at one point but again that's on them that's not on me I'm not going to be affected by I, I, I yeah. know they're miserable people like you happy people don't go and comment that on other people's stuff like I've never felt compelled to say that to someone so you just got to kind of feel sorry for them you know you didn't get be the Cali girl you know that didn't happen <laughs> but that kind of you know as we spoke about the passion for, for cinematography was still there you went and just made a documentary so it was it was like a drama what do I call it like a drama comedy kind of yeah. thing um so I took a gap year after I had car T therapy and then when I came back um my I made my graduate film called Sense of Tumor which I directed and DOP'd um and this is another example of like where I'd say like wait you don't know what it's going to turn into and like you can't say that something's bad because from me going through what I went through I ended up being able to direct and do that for my final year film which if you would have told me in first year I never ever would have like put myself up to do that what grade so, did you get through it um I got a first I graduated with a first yeah, yeah, yeah can't remember the individual marks but was there was it were you something you were proud of it were you yeah I was really proud of it yeah. um we had such a great time filming it as well. Like, no, it's on YouTube. If anyone wants yeah, to catch we'll it, make sure, um, we'll make sure we get, make sure <laughs> we, put the, we make sure we put the link for it. But, um, but yeah, like we we had such a good time filming in it, and like it was everything I kind of envisioned for it to be. Yeah. So it was really fun to take that experiences that I'd had with cancer and put it into, like, for me, like creating art. I'm always going to want to do that. I'm a very creative person, so I still like plan on hopefully making a second film, yeah. short film. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. Perfect. So, you know, we're, we're, the podcast is called The Summit and we, we speak to people about kind of, you know, their, what their Everest is, what they're trying to reach. You know, where is it for you? And I bet, you know, in the first four years, it's changed so much. God. Um, do you know what? I don't even think I have a particular goal in mind because the way that I live right now... My plans don't go very well, right, when I, when I plan for things. So my life now is just kind of, I wake up and I say yes to all the opportunities that come to me and I never know where it's going to go and I find that so exciting that, you know, I went from having a very rigid life plan and I want to do this and graduate and then I'm going to move straight into, I want to be a cinematographer. I still want to do cinematography, but like I thought, yep, yeah, we're doing this and maybe I'm going on a little detour now, but it really excites me to think, okay, before I was like, okay, I want to work in film and just that. And now I'm like, okay, maybe I want to work in podcasts and presenting and graphic design and like everything, any opportunity that comes to me, I'm just going to say yes. And yeah, what you've done, what you've been for the last couple of years is going to be the reason you're successful in what you do next. Hopefully. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Thanks you know, for I've, having me. I feel inspired. I feel like. I've learned so much from you. I feel like, you know, your wisdom for such a young age, what you've been through is so, like, incredible just to listen to you and how you approach things. And I think people listening can really learn a lot from the way you approach things. And, you know, 
you don't need to have cancer to think like that. You know, you've learned mm. that because of what you've been through. But I think what you've learned is a lot of the times a key to happiness and the key to fulfillment in the way you think. 100%. It's totally down to perspective. In my opinion, anyway. Don't yeah. cancel me. But that's, that's <laughs> how I feel. And your eyebrows look great. <laughs> Thank you. They're coming back in. <laughs> Just been incredible talking to you about it and well done for everything you've achieved and the message you continue to spread to people is so... So incredible to see. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. If you enjoy the podcast, um, don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And we're also going to link some resources and links below for anyone who might have been impacted by what they've heard today.